1: There are things that people don't talk about much in Puerto Rico. Things like sex education, not a frequent topic of polite conversation. The gender binary, also not something you'll hear about at the dinner table. But the topic that probably gets the most silence is race. Many Puerto Ricans just don't talk about it much. But we do sing about it. It shows up in love songs, like Piel Canela, a beloved bolero that's been covered... You know, a lot.
2: Piel Canela
3: Canela literally means cinnamon skin. Actually, Piel Canela was written by the Afro-Puerto Rican musician Bobby Capó. He's comparing a skin tone to what could be seen as an exotic spice playing into a fetish about brown skin.
1: That is Bárbara Idaliz Abadia rizash professor at San Francisco State University. Bárbara also wrote a book called Musicalizando la Raza,
3: Musicalizing Race. The Sampiel Canela is the sexualization of this female body that is not completely black, not completely white.
1: Bobby Capó also wrote another song called El Negro Bembón that translates to The Thick-Lipped Black Man.
3: In that song, a black man is killed just because he has thick lips, right? And when a black cop shows up to investigate, he hides his own lips. So in this song, black people and black features are criminalized.
1: This one is Carbonerito. Written by another black composer,
3: Peter
2: Velázquez.
3: Here they talk about coal and a furnace, linking them to blackness. The Sun says, I married an enchanting black woman, and since we are both as black as
2: tires,
3: our product came out black too. So, songs like El Negro Bembón and Carbonerito use stereotypes and belittle Black people, even when they might be trying to be satirical. Then, we have songs like Piel Canela that are just romanticizing and exoticizing people who are mixed race.
1: But in all the Puerto Rican songs about race that Barbara has come across, there's one that she just feels differently about.
3: In Las Caras Lindas, what you hear and feel is a deep love for Blackness and Black people.
2: Las caras lindas de mi gente negra.
3: It is so simple and so direct. Las caras lindas de mi gente negra. The beautiful faces of my Black folks.
1: This song was first recorded by salsa legend Ismael Rivera and it was written by Catalino Cure Alonso, better known as Don Tite. Here he is cracking a self-deprecating joke during an interview on Puerto Rican TV on El Show de Tommy in 1980.
2: Como músico, fui como sastre, un desastre.
1: Don Tite Curet wrote more than 2,000 hits, Yes, more than 2,000, hit after hit, for all-stars like Celia Cruz,
4: si tu pa-
1: Cheo Feliciano,
4: Caona, de raza,
1: La Lupe,
2: Según tu punto de Vista Héctor Lavoe. Tu amor es de ayer.
1: And his genius was legendary, even among, well, Other geniuses. For instance, there's this story about renowned Colombian writer Gabriel García Marquez, you know, he wrote A Hundred Years of Solitude. Apparently, he said he was envious of one of Tite's songs, Plantacion Adentro. Marquez believed that Tite had done in one song what had taken him a whole book to accomplish: write the history of all Latin America. But Las Caras Lindas, well, this song is something else entirely. It's a love poem to a people.
3: When he says, the beautiful faces of my Black folks, it is not only for Puerto Ricans. It is about humanity. It is about recognizing the beauty of Blackness and Black people everywhere. He literally gives a face and humanity to Black people. Perhaps he was singing to me and my family as well. From Futuro Studios
1: and WNYC Studios, I'm Alana Casanova Burgess, and this is La Brega. In this episode, track five Las Caras Lindas, an ode to blackness. I'll leave you now with Barbara.
3: I was raised by a mother who was a hardcore salsa fan and a father. That still dreams of painting a mural of El Sonero Mayor, Ismael Rivera, in his backyard. So I'm pretty sure I heard Las Caras Lindas many times during my childhood back in the 80s. But I admit that I had never really paid full attention to its lyrics. Then, in 2003, I was writing my master thesis and Las Caras Lindas reappeared. Listening, transcribing, analyzing it, Over and over, the song revealed a poem that not only celebrates the beauty of Blackness, but purposely separates it from prejudice and discrimination. The beautiful faces of my Black people, they are a parade of molasses in bloom. And when I see them walk by... My whole heart rejoices in its blackness. When I finally took in the lyrics as an adult, this song compelled me to look inward and think about myself differently. The beautiful faces of my dark-skinned folks. They have tears, sorrow, and pain. These are the truths of life's trials, but they carry, deep inside, so much love. In an interview on El Show de Tommy in Puerto Rican TV during the 80s, Tita Curet was asked how he identified. Yo soy
2: antillano.
3: He did not say Puerto Rican. He used the word antillano, antillian. To refer to himself as a person from the West Indies, the Caribbean, and then he added,
2: "De africanas," <laughs>
3: with clear African roots. Just as Don Dita called himself a Black Antillean first, I also choose to call myself Black first, because of the ongoing interrogation about my Puerto Ricanness by people that deem my skin too dark to be Puerto Rican. I have experienced this type of prejudice during some visits to Old San Juan. Fellow Boricuas have asked me from what island I come from because of their first impression of my skin color. The thing is, here in Puerto Rico, a powerful myth about race still exists and is held for many as gospel. That Boricuas are a racially perfect mix. That every single Boricua has some native Taino, some white Spaniard, and some black African in them. This myth didn't come out of nowhere. It was intentionally created. Back in the 50s, Puerto Rican politicians wanted to frame Puerto Rico as mixed race and distance it from blackness to make it more attractive to U.S. investors and the political elite. Puerto Rico was not black. Calling myself black is a way to resist the myth of mestizaje, the idea that we are racially harmonious, you know, the great Puerto Rican family, when in reality, Black people have always been treated differently on this island. I see it everywhere, especially on the beloved beauty pageants, where beauty is often equated with whiteness. And the beauty of blackness is always questioned and mostly absent. White bodies are privileged over black bodies like Tite's and mine. But in Las Caras Lindas, this does not happen. In fact, it's kind of the
4: opposite. La
3: That's Juan Otero Garaviz, a writer and professor of Puerto Rican and Caribbean literature at the University of Puerto Rico. For Juan, Las Caras Lindas is the most beautiful and profound poem written about blackness in Puerto Rico and the whole hemisphere. Tite was never interested in writing about our Hispanic white European heritage. Instead, he centered the stories of Caribbean natives and our African heritage.
4: Tite cared about the people around him. He cared about humanity.
3: That is the voice of Ruben Blades, singer, composer, actor, and writer. He was also a backup singer on Las Caras Lindas.
4: He wrote about society and not only describing what was happening, the unfairness of things that were happening, but also providing hope that we could, by confronting those realities, could change them for the better.
0: Can you imagine being a girl that is in high school? I had my friends there with me and they say, listen, look what Hilda's father wrote now. Of course, I felt very proud. And that is
3: Hilda Curet Velázquez, daughter of Don Tite, talking about how she felt when Las Caras Lindas became a hit, just one out of a flood of beautiful memories she has about her father.
0: He was always busy with a book, with a tape recorder, or with a piece of paper, always writing with a pen or a pencil in his hands. And he always was singing, soñando, making the rhythm of the songs that he was going to write.
3: But Tite's road to songwriting was bumpy. Papá decía que yo en la música nunca éxito, porque yo era muy bruto para eso de la música. In this documentary from 2002, Tite tells the filmmaker Sonia Fritz that his father, who was a Spanish teacher and a musician, thought that Tite was too dumb for
0: music. Being a son of a person that teaches Spanish in public schools, I imagine that he was looking for perfection. It was very hard for my father to have a person that most likely was criticizing him. And I imagine that he did his best to show his father that he could, that it was possible for him to be successful. And
3: Antite could not escape music. It surrounded him. It was inside of him. It was in his genes.
0: My grandma, she was a musician. Also, she liked to sing songs. She wrote hymns. That's the other gene that my father had. So it came from mother and father.
3: When Tita was young... He and his mother moved to Barrio Obrero Santurce, a predominantly black and working class neighborhood in the middle of San Juan. Living there, he got close with an uncle that used to be an editor at a newspaper. Tite used to accompany him on payday, and on those trips, he found a new passion. Here is Tite again in the documentary. He said, If people pay for this, referring to the newspaper, I will be a journalist when I grow up. Tite took it seriously. He said that it was journalism that made him a real writer. Journalism gave him the power of description through verbs and prose. You can hear the power of his lyricism in La Tirana, sung by La Lupe. Here is Dite in another interview with Venezuelan reporter Lida Santo Domingo, breaking down his
2: lyrics. Yo soy la mala,
3: He's pointing out how he constructs his songs. En tu
2: en tu
3: the grammatical devices he's using. La- Ilda is pretty sure that her father's experiences living in this predominantly black and working-class community were fundamental to all his work and essential for the creation of Las Caras Lindas.
0: It was a description of his upbringing, even in Barrio Obrero, predominantly black, Santurce predominantly black that was an experience that moved him to write that song of course who was the person that he gave that song to one of his friends ismael rivera from santurce also
3: ismael rivera el sonero mayor the most important and influential salsa singer of his generation and the other half of what makes this song so powerful Me The way this black man, Ismael, sings the lyrics his black brother wrote for him, it's like they are offering a gift to every black person they have ever known and loved
0: he was able to describe how we wear the daily living of blacks in Puerto Rico. They laugh and they cry that they have beauty within themselves. Papi exaltaba mucho a la gente negra.
3: Hilda says that her father was always lifting black people up. Yo siempre he estado impresionado
2: por lo lindas que son esas mulatas de Loiza allá arriba, esas negras que son tan
4: bellas.
3: Here Tite, on his radio show, tells the story of how he first got inspired to write Las Caras Lindas when he took in the beauty of The Woman of Loisa, a predominantly black town in Puerto Rico. This is why, for Africa Clivilles, a friend of Tite's, Las Caras Lindas offers a clear and accurate picture of where we come from. That is de donde but it's also a mirror that shows us pride sentimos los negros por nuestra negritud the pride we black people feel about our blackness. Africa carries the pride of being black that Tita writes about in plain view. When I asked her how she celebrates her blackness, she did not miss a bit That she was the most beautiful and most joyful black woman in her homeland. I confess that while this made me smile, it also made me feel some resentment, because frankly, I have never felt that way. And that made me wonder, why does it seem to be so easy for Tite and Africa to celebrate their blackness while I am still burdened by internalized racism?
1: We'll be back after the break. This is La Brega. For so many black people, the Wiz feels like home. <laughs>
4: Folks, this is Ruben Blades and you're listening to
1: La Brega. I'm Alana Casanova-Burgess and this is La Brega. We'll continue now with Bárbara Idalis Abadia Resach and the story of Don Tite Curet and his beautiful faces.
3: Before the break, I asked myself, why does it seem so effortless for Tite and Africa to celebrate their blackness while I deal with internalized racism. The truth is I have never felt like Africa or Tite. During my childhood, I felt that my existence was always questioned because my skin was darker than my family's. My brothers were like skin with green eyes. Blackness seemed to push me away from my own brothers. Internalized racism doesn't come out of nowhere. It's a system that's all around us and we need community to face it and unlearn it. Las Caras Lindas is a great example of this. It was written in community for a community. Tita wrote the song thinking that he would give it to his friend Ismael Rivera. He then called all other musician friends to join him. Among them, Panamanian singer
4: and writer, Ruben Blades. Ruben Blades
3: Blades and Tite Curet had already met each other in Puerto Rico in the early 70s.
4: I saw a man that showed up and, uh, and he was dressed in a very special way because he had this big sort of Puerto Rican hat and he had a shirt that looked like African. For some reason, I thought he was a musician.
3: They were both waiting for the doors to open for a concert of Boricua salsa legend, Cheo Feliciano.
4: And that's how I met him. And from that moment on, we became very, very good friends.
3: When Ruben talks about Tite, you can tell how much he loved him and the great influence he had on Ruben's life.
4: The first time I ever sang in Puerto Rico by myself, I was nervous and he said, you're passing your test today, your popular test here, and don't worry, you're going to do really well. It was very comforting for me to have him there because he was Tita Cure de Alonso. He was bigger than big. For Rubén,
3: Tita's lyrics are timeless.
4: These songs, are, the lyrics have no expiration date because they are based on life. In Las Caras Lindas, Rubén
3: finds an anthem that envisions a better world.
4: En Las Caras Lindas continues to be received and integrated and adapted to each generation. You know, we have not fulfilled the dream. We are in the process of fulfilling the dream. So in the interim, every generation is going to be helped by the contributions of generations past to reach that goal, to try to make their transition towards a better world possible.
3: Tite wrote about blackness many times from different angles. In Las Caras Lindas, Tite celebrates. But in other songs, he condemns racism, like in Desahucio, which literally means eviction.
4: La nos de Los de
3: the song is based on the real-life eviction of Adolfina Villanueva Osorio. She was a black housewife from Loisa, Puerto Rico. In 1980, she was murdered by police as she was forcefully evicted from her home. She was still looking to fight the order when authorities accelerated the process. They surrounded her home and shot through her windows. Sixteen bullets hit Adolfina. No one was prosecuted for her death. The a song did wrote especially for Ruben to sing. When I asked Ruben about the song, he abruptly stopped our conversation. We were on
4: Zoom.
3: He asked me if I could give him a moment. He left the call and then came back holding two things in his
4: hands. Mira que yo todavía tengo el cartón. Wow!
3: <laughs> Adolfina vive incluso en la casa de Rubén Blades. First, He showed me a piece of cardboard with a handwritten note that read, Rubén, La Familia de Adolfina. Rubén, Adolfina's family. Then he showed me a handmade wooden Puerto Rican flag. Rubén tells me that it was the surviving members of Adolfina's family who gave him these cherished artifacts. They brought them the first time he sang the song "Life in Puerto Rico. And as he remembers that moment, tears come to his eyes.
4: Cuando canté el tema por primera vez en Puerto Rico, ellos me dieron el cartón y esto.
3: That voice break, that moment of connection between Adolfina's family and this international salsa superstar, is another testament to the power of Titus Pen. And it's a power that is transcendent. And perhaps that is why one of the most iconic covers of Las Caras Lindas was recorded thousands of miles away from Puerto Rico by the award-winning singer-composer and giant of Afro-Peruvian music, Susana Vaca.
2: Las caras lindas de mi gente
4: Entonces escuché por primera vez las
3: caras lindas. Susana remembers when she first heard las caras lindas during her college years. The song gave her insight during a period where she was starting to grasp what being a black Peruvian woman meant.
2: Yo no tengo por qué ponerme una peluca.
3: It helped her realize she did not need to hide her blackness. Behind a wig or a perm, and that she deserved respect.
4: Y y mi alma.
3: And Susana says that experience freed her mind and compelled her to cover the sun with an Afro Peruvian rhythm so that the youth of her country could make it their own.
2: Somos la mel-
3: Susana never had the opportunity to meet Tite. She finally made it to Puerto Rico after he died in 2003. But Tite did have the chance to listen to Susana's cover because he used to host a public radio show in Puerto Rico.
2: Creo que, and Tite que... would play
3: her version of Las Caras Lindas on his show. He was so proud his son had traveled all the way to Peru.
2: Trascendió los horizontes y fue a parar por allá tan lejos como Perú.
3: I play this audio from Tite for Susana.
2: Ay, qué
3: lindo,
2: <laughs> qué lindo.
3: Susana was so qué happy that she just burst into song.
2: Tiene
0: su ritmo, tiene melodía,
2: las caralitos. De mi gente negra. <laughs> <Qué maravilla. laughs> Qué
3: Listening to Susana Vaca de la Colina Sing her favorite verse of the song, Acapella Well, I was just overwhelmed by emotion I got teary-eyed It was also my birthday, by the way Que no hay otra canción que hable así de nosotros, con ese amor. Susana thinks there is no other song in the world that speaks so lovingly about us, black people.
5: I mean, just the chorus too. Las caras lindas, las caras lindas, las caras lindas de mi gente negra. Simple, but On point, it just fills your heart with pride, you know, to be
3: black and you're beautiful. This is Mireya Ramos, founding member of Flor de Toloache, an all-female mariachi group based in New York City. And that's what it
5: really, what it says. It's very simple, but it's necessary. You know, it's a phrase that we we need to tell ourselves and remind ourselves.
3: Mireya's mother is Dominican. Her father is Mexican, and she was raised in Puerto Rico.
5: I also obviously saw myself in the song. It was one of those only songs that I grew up with where I felt identified and seen.
3: As a young Black mixed girl in Puerto Rico, there was not a lot of representation for her in popular music.
5: I didn't have like a Black woman that I looked up to that was an artist, and I knew that I wanted to be an artist since I was little.
3: So meeting Tite and hearing his song reassured her that she was not alone, that she could live how she felt inside a beautiful Black person, and someone capable of being a beautiful Black artist.
5: I've always seen myself in this song, and it exalts and celebrates a community that's not often celebrated, which is the Afro-Latinos, which I'm
3: very proud to be. In appreciation for Tite's work, Flor de Toloache recorded a version of Las Caras Lindas for their second album, and also named the album after the song. They chose to cover the song as a huapango, a Mexican rhythm.
5: The cool thing about the huapango is it's very syncopated. One, two, three, four, five, six. That six, eight is that African beat.
3: It was also an opportunity for collaboration.
5: My brother Velcro, who wrote this beautiful, beautiful
2: rap. And
5: then we also invited Pedrito Martinez from Cuba. And it was just like this explosion, you know, of like mariachi, which. Some of the rhythms are, have African influence, you know, the, the roots.
3: Today, Mireya is basically giving young people what she wanted when she was a kid. At a recent music festival, a family came up to her after the performance to tell her how moved they were by Las Caras Lindas.
5: And there was a family there with a little girl who's mixed like me, This little girl, even though she didn't understand everything I was singing about, she saw herself in it just the same way I saw myself in it.
3: This process of analyzing Las Caras Lindas has brought me a lot of joy, but it also brought me grief. Because when I tackle the question of where we are now in Puerto Rico regarding race, 45 years after this song was released, the answer is disheartening. The answer is found in the constant use of Negro to talk about things that are seen as bad, dirty, and ugly. Or when people talk about making their race better or wanting to fix their bad hair. Or when you realize our poorest citizens are black. Or when the schools that serve Black communities are the ones that are chosen for closure. Or when they arrest 11-year-old Almayariela Cruz Cruz after she defended herself against constant racist bullying in her school. Or when I see the constant anti-Black attacks from neighbors towards a family in their hometown of Canovanas. Every single day, the existence of anti-Black racism is confirmed in Puerto Rico. During that struggle, I see that sometimes I talk about blackness from a place of pain and frustration. And it's exhausting. But as Tita's friend, Africa, told me, the struggle is a dignified one, even when it feels constant. It's never a sad and hard struggle. We sing and dance while we fight. Luchamos de nuestro color y reclamamos nuestro espacio
2: con el poder de la música.
3: We stand proud of our skin color and we take our rightful place with the power of music. That is why, even when I do recognize that the fight against anti-black racism will not end anytime soon. Surely not in my lifetime. I want to honor every single thing that actually celebrates Blackness, that celebrates us as the human beings we are, dignified, full of tenderness, full of love and beauty. And Las Caras Lindas gives us just that. And the world can never take it away. Thank you, Don Tite.
2: Las Caras Lindas de mi gente negra son un desfile de velas en flor que cuando pasa frente a mí se alegrará de su negrura, todo el corazón sé ¿Sí que te linda
1: We've heard how Las Caras Lindas has made its way around the world. For our La Brega cover album, we're bringing it back to PR. We asked La Tribu de Abrante, a 12 piece Afro Boricua orchestra from the archipelago, to reimagine it. And they rooted it in a very Puerto Rican sound: Bomba. You can hear the full version in the La Brega cover album, out soon.
2: Ooh, ooh, ooh.
1: This episode was written by Bárbara Abadía Resach and produced by Ezequiel Rodríguez Andino with help from Jeannie Montalvo. It was edited by Mark Pagan, Maria Garcia, and me, Alana Casanova-Burgess. Original art for this episode is by Raisa Rodríguez, de Colectivo Moribibi. Additional music this episode by Círculo Sacra, René Ghost, and Ernesto Lucar. Special thanks this week to Radio Universidad de Puerto Rico, Sara Cruz Castro, Osvaldo Rivera Soto, Taller Comunidad Lagoico,
3: and Elizabeth Andrade. Excuse me, Alana. I want to dedicate this episode to the memory of my mother, Olga Esther Resage Ayala.
1: The La Brega team includes Ginny Montalvo, Ezequiel Rodriguez Sandino, Joaquin Kotler, Liliana Ruiz, Tasha Sandoval, Mark Pagan, Maria Garcia, Victor Ramos Rosado, Juan Diego Ramirez, Marlon Bishop, and Jenny Lawton. Fact checking this season is by Istra Pacheco and Maria Soledad. Our engineer is Joe Plord. Our theme song is by Ife, and original music is by Balloon. You can hear all the music featured in this episode, and this season, on our Spotify playlist. We've got a link in our show notes. And don't forget to tap the heart to save it to your library, because we'll be adding to it each week. This season of La Brega was made possible by the Mellon Foundation. I'm Alana Casanova-Burgess. Join us next week for track six, Borico en la Luna. Bye!